Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast that can devote a whole episode to one driver potentially scoring points, only for them to finish just outside the top 10 once again. I'm Owen Bellwood and as always I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I am exhausted. (laughs) It has been a physically and mentally exhausting week in England, like they always are. But specifically this week, mainly because we were all supporting George Russell so much on Sunday, obviously. I know, you had all your energy out on that, and then you had to whip out a little bit more energy for uh, the the football? The football, yes. (laughs) The the Euro. God, yeah, I'm glad there's no race this weekend, because I don't know how I'd be able to balance it with the, uh, the football final. But you actually do have a race to go to this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to my first ever Formula E event on Sunday. Oh, that's exciting. Very exciting. Probably is it the first Formula E event to have fans in a year, I guess. I feel like they had some fans in Monaco for sure. Okay. And then maybe a few in Mexico as well. Right. But it's um it's the New York E Prix and they released a very limited number for people that live in New York. Um you could go online and apply for them and uh, we managed to get a couple for Sunday. It's banging. Very excited about. Going to yeah. see Sam Bird blast around the streets of Brooklyn. Is that your prediction? Uh, I mean, he's not going to win, but I like him. <laughs> so. <laughs> Are you, because, I mean, you've just been showing me the storm that you're having. Is it going to be rainy? Well, so since we've moved here, it's been like five days of sun yep. and then one and a half days of thunderstorms. So it's going to be sun. Back to sun. So hopefully we'll be back to sun by Sunday, because it's Thursday now, and yeah, we're in the middle of a nice big thunderstorm. Well, that's exciting. The thunderstorm or the Formula E? Well, if they both happen at the same time. (laughs) It could be very exciting. (laughs) Formula E is not what we're here to talk about this week. Uh, We're going to take a bit of a deep dive into this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, did Did you watch the race at the weekend, Will? What did you think to it? I did. I watched it on a dodgy internet connection on a laptop in the only spot where I could find Wi-Fi in this old little cottage. And it was a bloody good race. Hmm. Off the back of Styria, which was a bit of a damp squib, I was thoroughly impressed. I don't don't think it was as good as the first Austrian race we had last year, but I had fun. What did you think? Yeah, I would agree. It was definitely an improvement on Styria. I couldn't really figure out why it was better because it wasn't like there was loads more stops and loads more drama and stuff. It just seemed, I don't know. I've got two words for you. Mm -hmm. Lando Norris. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously. He turned up. He found something that he didn't have last week and it really did change the game. I loved, he, he did an interview beforehand with, um, I think it was Lawrence Barreto. And Lawrence kind of said, you know, after it was after the practice, he said, where do you think you're going to, you know, come out and qualify in? Yeah. And Lando, no hesitation, just went, pole, and then walked away. <laughs> and like that kind of confidence to follow it up with being half a tenth off pole position. Absolutely. He ragged it round. Yeah, it was mad. The other good um, Lando interview was after the race, George Russell came up and like patted him on the back and then was like, oh, 
very sweaty. And then he just goes, now I'm champagne. <laughs> Good. I like that. He just, yeah, he had from start to finish, he had a great weekend. Yeah, I, I was utterly shocked. I mean, that is that is the second time. I'm going to include, well, okay, you can't include the one in Imola. But he's been just so consistent this year. And not consistent best of the rest. Like, the way he's been able to pop that car into the top four. He's had three podiums, and we're not yeah. even halfway through the season. That is insane. Yeah, and he's already surpassed his 2020 uh, points total. Just nine races in. Yeah. Which is bonkers. It's when, in, in context of this season, a race like Baku, where there were two spots on the podiums for not a Mercedes or a Red Bull, and he wasn't there, kind of makes that look like a bad weekend for him. Yeah, it's weird. And something I wanted to ask you about, Lando, was we heard during the race the engineers come on and saying, you're quicker than Gasly. And he was like, I'm not interested. Tell me, like, the pace of the others. Do you think he was performing above the team's expectations this weekend? Yeah, I think so. But I think that might be kind of a sign of just where Formula One, like, is at the moment in terms of it's a lot easier to drive when you're at the front. Mm-hmm. When you have far less cars in front of you, you don't get all this dirty air. It's a lot. I mean, there was an onboard in Styria where um, Yuki Tsunoda came around turn three, and he, I think he was following Sebastian Vettel or someone, and his car just started wobbling, and he went on the radio like, oh, yeah, they have... I mean, those cameras are really stabilised, aren't they, on the on the top of the T. And it proper like wobbled and it just showed the effect that like dirty air can actually have. So maybe, you know, when you've only got one or two cars in front of you, it is easier. And we see it with Lewis and Max when they're at the front and they can pull away like 10 seconds down the road because they've got clean air. But maybe they did just expect the power to, well, to be overpowered by the cars behind them and, and kind of sit around that fifth, sixth mark. But then... Like Gasly didn't actually have that good race either, did he? He qualified really well, but he, he dropped down the order. So I don't know why they why were they updating him about an AlphaTauri who they're not really in a fight with. No, I guess it's because like in past races we've seen people like Lewis Perez, Valtteri all sail past Lando, which like, Lewis eventually did get past him, but then that led to more more dicing on track later on. But it it just seemed like a strange message to go for. It's like they'd already been kind of confine themselves to not be on the podium. Yeah. When really they should be like, yeah, we've got this. Well, speaking of messages, what did you think of Lewis's message as he sailed past Lando? <laughs> Such a great driver. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously Lando Norris to Mercedes next year confirmed, right? Absolutely. It's in Lewis's contract that he gets to pick his teammate. <laughs> That's what everyone says. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was nice. I quite like it because we've got, yeah, Lewis complimenting Lando and then Fernando Alonso is clearly a massive George Russell fan. Yeah. But to be fair, who isn't? So That's true. It's quite nice that these people that have been in the sport for such a long time giving props to the young drivers. And like Lando this year, it's just been on another level. It's, it's crazy, especially because I'd really like to go back and listen to our our first 
uh, episodes of this where we do our predictions and see what we were talking about with Daniel and, and Lando. And because yeah. I, I would put money on us saying that we thought Daniel was going to kind of really push Lando, but it's, it's the other way around. Like Lando has left mm-hmm. Daniel for dust. Yeah, I think we should do that at the end of the year just to see how wrong we were. <laughs> uh, but this isn't just the Lando Norris podcast. Oh, did no one tell you? It, it is the, now. It is. Oh, is it? Yeah. It is. No, there were 19 other drivers in the race. But I want to talk about qualifying again because uh, someone else had a dreamy qualifying and that was George Russell who made it into Q3 in a Williams on the medium tyres which is something that Ferrari couldn't do with either car. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, this is the Lando Norris podcast. This is episode two of the George Russell podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what a weekend. It's just such a shame he didn't convert it. But, you know, they had such a buzz off getting that car into Q3. Now they know that they can do it. I think it, it, it ties back to what we were saying about Latifi. Where, you know, where did Latifi, I can't remember, because I was watching it on my phone in a pub. Uh, did he get out of Q1? No, he didn't. He, he qualified 18th. So if there was any other driver pairing on the grid where you're getting one car into Q3 on the mediums and the other car didn't even get out of Q1, you've got to be asking questions. Yeah. So George managed to qualify ninth in his Williams and then after penalties for Sebastian Vettel, he got pushed down. George ended up starting in eighth, which seemed like points were a certain, but they seemed like points were for certain last week as well. Yeah. So, and like the, like we said at the start, the race was pretty good. There was um, a bit of like dicing in the first lap, which sadly saw Esteban Ocon get kind of sandwiched between a Haas and an Alfa Romeo. And that ended his race. Such light contact to take the suspension off on his on his tyre. Really unfortunate. Yeah. He just seems to be having such bad luck at the moment. Mm. To say how we were all singing his praises a few weeks ago when we were like, oh yeah, he's going to have the pressure of Alonso when he's there stamping his name on the team leader. I think he's... I don't know. don't know what's happened. Alpine are having a bit of a disappointing year, aren't they? But then I guess... The excuse for everyone is that this year is a bit of a throwaway year. Mm. They're all concentrating on 2022. But they are... Where are they in the standings? Seventh. Seventh. So that's kind of worst of the rest, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there is a gulf back from them. Yeah. 32 points for Alpine and then Alfa Romeo and two. It's almost like... It's almost like you have four divisions in Formula One at the moment. You have Red Bull Mercedes... Then you have McLaren down to, well, McLaren and Ferrari. Yeah. AlphaTauri, Aston Martin and Alpine in their own little league. And then the conference division of Alfa, Romeo, Williams and Haas. Yeah, just who's going to come last. Yeah. But I was, I was kind of shocked to see the suspension break and he had to retire. But then it did bring about a nice little safety car period. So we got a nice little rolling safety car restart. Which, off the back of that, we saw a few people kind of tussling with Lando to try and claim his second place. One such person being Sergio Perez, who mm-hmm. was kind of forced... For, was he forced off the track? Was it a racing incident? What did you think to that move? I mean, I don't 
It's a shame that there's nothing like between no action needed and a five second penalty. Mm. Like, let's have some two second penalties or something. I like. I don't know if that's five seconds seems harsh. Yeah, he probably should have left a bit more room, but then he was on the racing line, and it's difficult to know whose car is ahead when you have like such a big radius to come round in that corner. Um, and by that point, you're already in the corner. You, you're already taking your line. So, I, do you I, think something in in this instance, something like a black and white flag, or like a warning flag, yeah. would have been good because Lando would have been given a warning flag, not done it again. Perez might have been given a warning flag and then still push Charles off again later on like he did. Yeah, I think that like, would... Because then you had Sergio get his two penalties later. Mm. But actually, that did seem a bit harsh too. If he'd have just had a black and white flag and then because he did it again, that's when he got the penalty. I think people would see that. That'd be a little bit more fair. Yeah, and I quite liked with uh, Lando's move how... They went, they cut to Christian Horner. And they were like, do you think it should be a penalty? And he was like, oh no, it's just hard racing. But that was probably because he had a McLaren between Max Verstappen and the two Mercedes. Yeah. So he didn't really want to see him drop out of that, did he? Yeah. He's a a smart man. Yeah. He is. He is. I wanted to ask you about Perez because it was lap three where he got knocked off the track by uh, Lando. And he fell down to 10th. And he re- he struggled to get back up, given that he was in a much faster car than everyone else around him. Uh, it wasn't until lap 31 he'd made his way up to 6th. So 30 laps to make up four places in Red Bull when you're racing Ferraris that aren't very fast and Alpha Tauris and McLarens. It didn't, didn't seem fantastic. No, it kind of felt like a couple of races back he'd really found his form and figured out what he was doing in the Red Bull. But then this week seemed a lot more like damage control almost. Mm. Where it was like, oh, we've just... It was like there was a little bit of sort of desperation. Mm. And that's what led to those two incidents with Charles where he was just like, I need to get past. Make the move at any moment. And if that pushes someone off and you get a penalty... It just sort of makes it look a bit scrappy. Yeah. Which is kind of how it felt for the whole race, which is a bit strange because his qualifying seemed really good and like he seemed to be able to put in one solid lap and come out quite fast. So I don't know, maybe it's... It could be like the pressures of three in the trot mm. because it's something that we had last year, but it's not like a regular feature of Formula One. No. And I, I, I don't think it should be a regular feature. It's a lot. Like, even for two people that record a podcast <laughs> once a week, it's a lot to talk about. Guys, so why I does no imagine... one think about the analyzers? <laughs> I can't imagine why it's, like, actually working. Yeah. Well, it's only it's only going to get worse. This is the first one, and then you have... Well, it was going to be Russia, Singapore, Japan, which I'm making a video at the moment for work, and I calculated that that triple header would have been about the same travelling distance as the rest of the season combined. Like, oh, the rest yeah. of the season, that they're up to that point anyway. Mm. Just in three three races. That's mad. Like, 
I could understand the triple headers if you're in, like they make sense in Europe where you can drive between countries. But when you've got all of the infrastructure of Formula One to ship in all those places, it just seems utterly unnecessary. And I know they've got, it's not like they've only got one, I don't know what, something heavy. They've only got one podium. <laughs> that was the heaviest thing I could think of. They obviously have like multiple, multiples of everything so they can send them off to the different sides of the world. But having the flyaway races or back to back seems a bit ridiculous. Insane. And it's the the need to replace races. Like we've just lost Australia and we're bound to be about to lose Japan mm. because they've gone into like an emergency state. Um, just, just do another race at Silverstone, like, or just to give them a week off, or midweek races. <laughs> but then, if if Formula One had that idea, it wouldn't be the case that it'd be like a midweek race. It'd be a race on the Sunday, a race on the Wednesday, a race on the Sunday. So it'd be like a triple header in one week. <laughs> yeah, but that's better, surely, because then at least you can go and have two weeks at home with your family. Yeah, that's true. But we digress. The Austrian <laughs> the Austrian Grand Prix. No, well, let's talk about um, Perez and his penalties. Was it just the two five-second penalties that he ended up with? <laughs> just, just the two, just, yeah. Well, there were so many penalties this weekend. Well, Yuki Tsunoda was a bit of an idiot as well, wasn't he? Because he pitted twice and he crossed the white line. Both times? Yeah. I mean, that's like... Driving 101. Yeah, the first time that happened, it kind of came up that it was under investigation. And that's one of those ones where I find it really strange when it says that it's under investigation. Because it's slam dunk. Yeah, surely, like, it's like with the, when people are out of position in the pit box, surely you either are or you aren't. Yeah, or like starting the race on the wrong tyres. Mm. If, you're, if, if you're looking at that, going, I think they're the wrong tyres, then the chances are they're the wrong tyres. Yeah, but yeah, to do that same... Like you say, fairly beginner's mistake twice. Yeah. Was not good. No. Where did he end up finishing in the end, Sonoda? No, not 11th. 12th. 12th he was. And he started, did he make it into Q3? Yeah, qualified 7th. Yeah, right behind Gasly. So he actually had, that's pretty good for him, given, um, you know, where he's been in some of the races where he's been, you know, crashing out of qualifying or not able to get out of Q3, to to put it, what, within a tenth of his, you know, lauded teammate, Pierre Gasly, pretty good, but they just didn't have the race pace. No, it seemed like, like Ferrari's decision to stay on the mediums and not go into Q3 seemed to really pay dividends. Yeah. Whereas Gasly and Sonoda, I believe they both started on the softs. And it just kind of really hampered their pace on Sunday. And it was like the same with Aston Martin. They they had uh, Vettel qualified 8th and Stroll in 10th. But then when it came to the final race, like Stroll finished like 13th or something. Mm. So that soft tyre was clearly not a good race tyre to be on. Yeah, and... We were softer than Styria, weren't we? Mm. 
Yeah, so the mediums this week were like the softs the week before, I think. Yeah, so if you started on the softs, then you had to go straight to the hards, which were last week's mediums, and do it pretty quickly because, you know, I think they started pitting around like lap 12, didn't they? Mm. So I guess that that can move us nicely onto uh, old George Russell, who managed to start on the mediums. What 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 were you, what were your thoughts? How excited did you get throughout the race, thinking that he was going to do it? I mean, it was, it was quite the emotional roller coaster because he sort of ended up getting, like, I think, Sonoda locked up or something in the first lap, so he had to like slam on the anchors and sort of ended up dropping down a few places, but he was still sort of twelfth or so. I thought, oh, it's all right. Everyone heads on softs. He can like keep his head down and then the first wave of pit stops came around and he sort of was in in contention there were still a few people on different strategies so I think probably up until was it like lap 67 or something when you realised that it was Alonso chasing him down I was like he's going to be fine and then as those laps went down it was like he's going to be fine is he going to be fine? <laughs> Emily, tell me he's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he did end up losing out on that place. But it was just... I just can't believe it. <laughs> he was... like This is his third 11th place. He was four laps away from getting the points. Yeah. It was tough. And it's quite nice that like Alonso afterwards was quote is saying something like oh I wanted it to be anyone except George yeah and they had quite a nice moment in Park Ferme as well didn't they yeah yeah there was that clip during the rounds of them having a little hug but obviously like well if Seb hadn't got in the way of Alonso therefore Alonso would have qualified better yep do you think George Russell would have scored a point? Oh, come on. Let... <laughs> what world do we live in? Like, ifs and buts. Well, they're the only points he's going to get, isn't it? It's going to be a while. Who, for George? Yeah. Nah, he... There are some other tracks that they're going to they're gonna do okay at, I think. Yeah. I did see a good tweet today that was like, Mercedes says they're bringing some exciting upgrades to Silverstone. And then it was like, F1 fans praying, it's George Russell. Yeah. He's going to have a, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to happen, isn't it? I think he's going to get announced next week. I think it has. Well, it doesn't have to get announced next week, but I think it has to be him that goes. Yeah. But no, he had another blinding weekend. Yeah. Drove the socks off the car. Obviously, it was gutting that he didn't come away with the point. But he just once again proved that he can just extract 100% out of any machine he's in. Like, they were racing so closely, but at no point did either of them force the other one off track, come close to getting a penalty. It was really nice, clean racing. And for someone that has spent two out of his three seasons just racing against their teammate at the back of the pack. It is quite impressive to see that he's already got such clean racecraft. So it will come. 
but it was, after all, a hype last week of Austria's the one. <laughs> I think he did a good interview with, I think it was Rachel Brooks on Sky, where they said, like, you've seen how Daniel Ricciardo is struggling to get to grips with his car at McLaren and uh, Sainz took a couple of races to get up to pace with the Ferrari. Do you think uh, you weren't really appreciated for your performance in the Mercedes and Sakir, given that you just jumped in that car at a week's notice? And it's a bit of an eye-opener, isn't it, really, that he did... That not everyone could drive the Mercedes like he did. Because that was one of the things, wasn't it? Everyone kind of said, oh, yeah, George Russell's doing well, so clearly it's not Lewis Hamilton, it's the car, it's the car, it's the car. But you have to you have to be able to drive the car. And yeah, um, yeah Paris took a little while to get up to speed with the, the Red Bull as well. But then I also just thought, if we're having that conversation, let's give some props to Nico Hülkenberg for what he did at Silverstone last year in the racing point. That's what I was going to say. Like, he'd had... Six months, a year, without step setting foot in an F one car. So for him to be able to come in and qualify quite well and qualified third, he qualified third in a racing point after like nine months out. Yeah, yeah, he did all right, didn't he? Nuts, absolutely crazy. But the Mercedes we've not really spoken about much so far. What did you think to their race this weekend? It was a bit of a weird one. Yes, I mean. It was quite exciting when someone came over the radio and was like, Valtteri, you can race Lewis. Well, first it was, don't race him, he's got damage, which seemed very strange. Yeah, I didn't really understand that, because he had, Lando was right behind him, wasn't he? Yeah, it sort of seemed like initially they were trying to save drivers' championship points, but then the decision to switch them and let Valtteri overtake definitely helped them pick up more Constructors' Championship points than they would have got. Yeah. So it was almost like they were like, well, maybe we can only win one of them this year. Well, it's a long long season. Like, Max is Mm. in good form, but I think Lewis appreciates the importance of picking up every point that he can get. You know, fourth is nowhere near where he should be. But if he did have damage, which I don't know where that damage would have come from. No, unless it was from like running over a curb, a floor damage. Yeah, they had some problems last year, didn't they, where they had to like have an emergency do not go on the curbs message. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think they had a bit of a, a nothingy weekend. Yeah, it's kind of, it's weird that uh, second and fourth is like kind of a forgettable bad result for them. Well, they were just completely off. Like, Max didn't just win. He absolutely slaughtered them. Yeah. He had, like you said, led every qualifying session, led every lap of the race, got fastest lap, and won the race. Like, there's no other accolade he could have added to that. No. Was he also fastest in every practice session? No. He was fastest in P1 and P3. Lewis got P2. I mean, that would have been extraordinary, wouldn't it? Yeah, to have led everything. But it didn't really feel like Mercedes made any... Obviously, it's only a week later, so there's not like loads of progress you can make. But you'd have thought, after a week, a full race weekend around the same circuit, they might have picked up some ways to extract a little bit more out. But 
Yeah, but I guess everyone just, does, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Everyone finds those little nuggets. Yeah. And Max Verstappen just managed to find 100,000 people to cheer him on. <laughs> I quite liked all of Lando's comments when he was like, there's all these people in orange. It's Sport McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> I did find it really weird that um, at the end of the race, they started doing these driver of the day interviews, haven't they? So they did the Park Fermi interviews and they interviewed Lando. And then they cut to, because Lando also got driver of the day, they cut to Lando's driver of the day interview. So they they interviewed him and they played an interview with, with him from like 10 minutes earlier. Yeah, they do. They like hop into the cockpit, don't they? And they're like, you're driver of the day. Congratulations. That makes sense if it's not a top three driver. Mm. But like you've just like had a proper interview, like face to face with Lando. And then you're like doing this awkward one over the radio that like no one really wants to hear. No, I guess it's like how they've tried to bring in that element that they have on Formula E when they're like, oh, we can talk to the winner. Yeah, I like that. Which I quite like that when they hop into the winner. But for some reason, the driver of the day one feels a bit contrived, awkward and weird. Yeah, I think it works when the cop if, if it was Crofty jumping in live to interview then that would be fine hmm. but the way that it's like just this i say it's some random but it, it's Rosanna Tennant who presents the f1 tv coverage mm-hmm. but for everyone else it is just this random woman coming on the radio uh talking off the end of the race though obviously there were a lot of max verstappen fans what did you think of them setting off the flares ah, it's, it's gonna happen isn't it yeah it just seemed don't want to sound too like safety conscious, but it did seem a bit dangerous flooding a racetrack with orange smoke. Yeah, but I feel like it's something you only see at Austria. Yeah, well, I remember um, actually in Sakir last year, Fittipaldi was in the Haas, and I think he was quite close to getting lapped on the final lap, so he had to do another one. But all the fireworks were going off. Okay. And he was on the radio driving around going, like, these fireworks are really distracting. <laughs> and they're, like, you know, quite high in the sky. Yeah. So, yeah, smoke on the track. Well, it was clearly distracting for Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, because they crashed into each other. Well, Kimi crashed into Seth. Yeah. I mean, that one was uh, stupid. If If the other three penalties at that point of the circuit were, like, Possibly debatable. That was mm. that was just stupid on on Kimmy's part, wasn't it? He needed to duck out of that one. Yeah, yeah. But then, how did the penalties work? Because he got a penalty for causing a collision, right? Yes. But then people behind got penalties for not slowing, but more penalty than he'd got, so he still finished ahead of them. Yeah, he actually right? he actually moved up a place. I think so. A twenty second penalty would have been the equivalent of a five-second penalty in the race, or even okay. or even a drive-through, which would have seemed quite lax compared to what Lando and Sergio got. Yeah. And then you would get a 10-second stop-go penalty for not slowing down for yellow flags, I think, which is what everyone else got. I think it was like four drivers above them, wasn't it? Well... I have a feeling it was only Mazepin and Latifi. Oh, yeah, it could have been Latifi because he finished above Latifi. So what place did he make up 
Was it where Vettel would have been? Yeah. Where was he classified? Classified 15th. And his, he finished 16th. So Latifi's 6th, yeah. Latifi finished in front of him on the track and then is classified a place below him. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so the only people to get penalties for not slowing were Nicholas Latifi and Nikita Mazepin. But I'd have thought if they hadn't slowed, there'd be drivers in between, like maybe Mick Schumacher and Antonio Giovinazzi as well. Yeah, well, there was a lot of lapping going on, wasn't there? So I think there were quite a few drivers that might have come through it behind them, I think. Because I think there were quite a few, there was a whole thing after the race that a lot of drivers in front of George Russell were under investigation. And that there was a chance that, because they were, they were, well, no, that, oh, maybe. Because they were right in front of George Russell, weren't they? They were actually hunting down George Russell at that time. So George Russell could have ended up finishing 13th. Um, but then he was also under investigation and nearly got a penalty for moving under braking. It was a crazy race. Yeah. It, I think you, you you said it was sloppy earlier and it it was sloppy and it created a, an entertaining race, but not in a way that we've had an entertaining race throughout the rest of the season where it's been like good, hard driving. Yeah, that, that was kind of my takeaway from it. It seemed quite different to the other good races that we've had this year where they've been good because there's been lots of close racing, a mix of strategy different tyre choices, Mm. things like that. But this just sort of seemed dramatic because of all the penalties. Yeah. And it was like unpredictable where people were going to finish because it was like, oh, they've still got to take a penalty. They've taken a penalty. That means they've dropped down. And like with Perez, some of his moves were just a bit kind of scrappy and all over the place. I don't know. It, It was a weird race. It was quite fun to watch. But it was a bit weird. Yeah. That was how I felt afterwards. And then I went to watch a hot dog eating competition. What did you feel even weirder. What did you enjoy more? <laughs> in the hot dog eating competition. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get a penalty in a hot dog eating competition? You could get disqualified. Oh, how? I don't know. What is one thing about the hot dog eating competition that you think you could apply and implement to a Formula One Grand Prix weekend? I like the big dramatic entrances as well, actually. Okay. So they all got like wrestler style walk-ons. So like they did in America a couple of years ago in the F1. Did they? They had, you know, the uh, the guy that does all the introductions for the boxing. Mm. They did that with Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton because they were. So you like, have that, but with riders. everyone, all twenty drivers. That sounds. It take a while. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, and they all had funny outfits. So. Funny outfits. There you go. Yeah. Well. Um, Mercedes brought that in, didn't they? And that did not work out well. No. And Ferrari had it, and it didn't work well for them either. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, not that. Not that. So that was our general thoughts on this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix, but we're going to get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty now with our one-sentence reviews, where we will talk through all of the constructors in championship order and give just a one sentence of our thoughts on their performance. And this week, we're kicking off with Will and Red Bull Racing. I put 
Grand Slam Verstappen makes it happen in fastest wagon. Second place is Mercedes. Uh, much less poetic. I've said team orders helped mitigate the Constructors' Championship deficit. Uh, just behind Mercedes is McLaren. How do you describe their race? Lando on the steps while Danny battles with the rest. After McLaren, we have Ferrari. Said stunning strategy sees Scuderia score. After Ferrari is Alpha Tauri. And I put Tauri face race pace disgrace. <laughs> Which is a little bit harsh, but I had to get disgrace in there for, for the rhyme. After Alpha Tauri is Aston Martin. Shocking strategy sees Stroll squad slump. Oh my god. Uh, after Aston Martin is Alpine. Uh, I have Selfish Alonso ruins everyone Sunday. After Alpine is Alfa Romeo. Kimi crashed, but still finished just one place behind Giovinazzi. Why? After Alfa Romeo is Williams. I put... No! After Williams <laughs> is Haas. No crashes or drama. Are their fortunes improving? So that was our thoughts on the Austrian Grand Prix. What did you think of the race? You can let us know if you agree or disagree with any of our opinions. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood. Will, you are... At Will Longman. And you can also follow, follow at Friday Formula for all the latest on the show. If you decided that a podcast isn't for you and you'd like to watch these waffling conversations in video form, you can do that on YouTube. Head to the internet and search for Friday Formula on YouTube and you'll find all our past episodes there. But if podcasts are for you, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. And we will see you again next Friday for another episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. It's coming home. Thank you.